right, here we go. Once again, welcome to another Houston Ron Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I'm the main host. That's going to change, hopefully, at some point this year. Hint, hint. But I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. Joining me right now is Willie Gibson from WHTG Sports in Columbus, Ohio, at from the Ohio State University. And one of the youngsters of the group, Mr. James Mueller of the Daily Cougar, the sports editor for the Cougar. Guys, how are y'all? Good, sir. How about you? I'm doing okay. We're going to get into it. Let's just start right off the top here because we got to talk. I want to touch on the uh, NCAA convention. Of course, some Cougs discussion, Houston Cougars discussion, some Big 12 news with them meeting in Vegas last month. We're off the top. Young Mr. Penny Hardaway, Anthony Hardaway, had a blow up. You want to call it a blow up? I mean, after their loss to SMU, home loss in Memphis, the Tigers are three and four in, I guess now, an average American Athletic Conference this season. He was asked a question by Jeff Calkins, the from the Daily Memphian. Is this, can he fix this? And y'all heard it. I'm not going to play the clip because of the F-bombs in it. Um, Penny was hot. He was upset. He questioned, he, he said to the media in attendance of the post game, stop asking me <clears throat> dumb questions. Y'all know how I work. Y'all know how we are. Y'all know we'd be better if we were healthy. We're not healthy right now. SMU was healthy. If we were healthy, we would be a better team. Y'all know that. Stop questioning my guys. They're playing hard. They're working hard. They're doing the best they can. Thoughts on what he said, how he said it. Do you have a problem with what he said first, I might really care about how he said it, but do you have a problem with what he said? James, you first. Yeah, I mean, I had two big problems. One, even at the beginning of the season, Memphis wasn't doing anything when they had, you know, most of their roster at that time. So, like, to say, you know, we'd be a lot better with them. Yeah, it's true, but you still weren't finding that success that people expected, you know, being ranked a top 15 team when the season started um, with with – all your guys and then second i mean i've seen it pointed out and just being a you know covering houston i mean houston's got about as bad as injuries as you can and they're 16 and 2 injuries are a part of the game they always happen and teams have to find ways to overcome it and there's plenty of teams that do and find success um so to use you know that as a you know your main escape while you aren't winning games i think it's just avoiding a deeper problem willie Mr. Gibson, what do you say? Yeah, I don't have, I have absolutely no problem with what he said, nor the way he said it, because he focused on, you're coming at me. You're coming at me, writing these stories about me. You're questioning me. And he talked about his roster. He talked about he started for a freshman and things of that nature. But, I mean, the, the thing about it, what I've learned in the, in the years I've been in media is... <clears throat> Media members, some, tend to be a little thin-skinned. They can dish it, but when it's reciprocated on them, it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, what? I don't I don't have a problem with what he said. I don't have a problem with how he said it. Um, he said, hey, stop writing, dumb, stop writing stories about me. Stop asking me these questions. Point blank, period. That's, that's a, an interesting take on it. And uh, I don't have a problem. I'd have more of a problem with it 
if this were, what was it, two years ago when he said that we wanted all the smoke, we want all the smoke. Mm-hmm. When, the, you know, they had James Wiseman and they were loaded, well, you know, su- supposedly loaded with the incoming talent, a national favorite for championship, all that stuff, and we want the smoke. Well, it didn't work. He didn't say that this year. You know, it wasn't Penny who who picked Memphis to be a, whatever it was, James said, top 12. Well, and I think some polls had him preseason top seven, top eight in the country. It wasn't Penny who did that. And James, you know, in the conference preseason poll, you basically picked to win the conference, not Memphis. Mm-hmm. So that's a coach's poll. So the coaches weren't expecting great things from Memphis because of the youth, because of Penny as coach and who is coaching Houston, Kelvin Sampson. So there's a difference there. So I don't know, Jeff Calkins, you know, and I just, I'll make a blanket statement, agree with it or not, but there are some folks in media who take it personal, who try to be personal in their questions and their reporting. I'm too old for that. You know, when I was maybe James age, I, I didn't know any better and took some things personal and all that. Brush it off because every so often, and James is witness to it because he participates Zoom calls now, but even in the face to face in person uh, media session with Coach Sampson, Coach Sampson sometimes his response, retort, or whatever to a question, sometimes to me, is blunt and makes you feel like, damn, coach, that kind of hurt, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But then I'm like, that's coach being coach. He's being direct in his his response to me. And it's on me. After all this time, I know how he is. I don't take it personal. I don't feel bad. You know, he's had some quick way to response to other colleagues. I'm like, woo. And you can kind of feel in the in the voice of the colleague. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is what it, that's where we are. So Penny. It's a national program. He was a national guy. People had a lot of expectations for the program this season coming off the NIT championship, which, you know, NIT, I don't really care about that personally. I mean, whatever. Um, So they are underachieving. The biggest issue, and James, spot on, the direct comparison is within the conference. Houston is still winning excelling with injuries to key people to key players yes members is without um, deandre williams and landers nolly won two games won four games so that's a problem that's two key guys to their team well houston's been without marcus sasser jamon mark one game those two plus kyler edwards another game those two plus jamal shed but they're still finding ways to win. So that's a, that direct comparison doesn't help Memphis either. But go ahead. Well, what you got? Well, only thing to that, to that point, I would say uh, those replacement players or those players that are taking the, uh, the injured player spot, they're not freshmen. His point was I'm starting four freshmen. I mean, in March or in January, starting four freshmen, I kind of see, I mean, it's like, I don't know about seven. More so, his statement was again coming at him, but I, I don't know. But well, then, then I could come back and say, but you recruited those four freshmen. He did, absolutely. Okay, so Without yeah, question. 
But it also goes to this, and James, you know this full well. You rates this season's team with, with the injuries. Coach Sampson is relying on his veterans. Kyle Edwards, senior. Tazi Moore, grad senior. Josh Carlton, grad senior. Fabian White, fifth-year senior. So maybe Houston would be a whole lot different shape if they were injured with these injuries, if he were having to play Ramon Walker, Robbie Armbrester, JVA Francis all the time. Mm-hmm. And you can have a point there. What do you think about that, James? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very valid point. Um, I know in a bunch of the press conferences, players have talked about just the leadership and how it's helped them. They talked about how Fabian sent the text to the group, you know, saying, guys, you know, we're going to have to pick up a lobe since, uh, you know, we're, we're without some key guys um, and it's on you. So leadership definitely plays a big role. And I can see that being a lot different if Houston had did not have that kind of leadership um, established in their program from their veterans. So, you know, and we hear all the time, guys, on or from media, national media, regarding championship caliber teams, especially, you know, in college. You win with what? Older players. How many championship teams in college have won with freshmen? It was a bunch of freshmen. How many? Especially during the one and done era. Not very many. Very few. So we, we, once again, we come on the, you got to have veterans. You got to have great guards. You got to have leadership experience. That's what they say, right? Come tournament time. Got to have experience. Well, right now, Penny and the freshmen, well, they don't have experience. So they're learning on the fly. So... I'm kind of straddling the fence there, and I'm not defending Penny. Penny's a grown man. You know, he say what he said. I don't know, Jeff Calkins. I think my, one, my issue with Jeff Calkins is he tweeted out his question and then a s- semi-quote, an incomplete quote from Penny. Yep. And that, that made the rounds. Then we saw the video when it was more complete you got a better idea of what penny said so you know sometimes sometimes on twitter you need to tell the whole story well all the time you need to tell the whole story you got to figure a way, a, a way to a, the right medium to tell that story because 280 characters sometimes isn't enough james as a youngster as a sports editor what do you think about that point of view yeah for sure um just because like you said we see so many things taken out of context and you know, when when the quotes came out last night, you know, it was blowing up. But then this morning when I got up, you know, I saw the full video and I had a, it changed my opinion a bit because, you know, it adds context. And I know, like, sometimes it might not be the easiest or most favorable thing to do for you, you know, if a coach responds like that. But you got to tell the whole story because you just you want to be fair and accurate to what what actually happened. Um, Cause then people will start respecting and, you know, viewing you as more trustworthy. Exactly. Well put youngster. I feel good with the uh, future of journalism in the hands of young, young men like James, that kind of answer, young men and young women like James. Um, that's one reason why I started posting the press conferences on my YouTube channel in their entirety. So you get the whole, the full spectrum. You don't have to wonder about just, a little snippet here and there that you see on Twitter. I put the whole thing up there. You can you hear the question, hear the answer, and then judge for yourself. 
We're still waiting on Tamer Knight. She's going to join. She can. She kind of got on me. Why haven't I been invited lately? Well, you invited tonight, Minty. So she'll join. She can. And Yanez is going to try to join by 730. But until then, oh, we'll tie that back to Memphis and we're going to tie it to Big 12 as well. Houston, I think John Rothstein, who's not, I'm not a fan of his for y'all know uh, some of his antics. But he tweeted out um, the list of conferences, a conference breakdown for the top 50 in the net. Gene, did you see this? Will, do you see this earlier today? Yeah, I glanced over it. The, the, y'all won't be surprised when I say this. One team, top 50 in the net from the American Athletic Conference. One team. One. That's Houston. Okay. ACC, four. Atlantic 10, one. Big 10, seven. Big 12, eight. And let me stop right there. Eight. The Big 12 has, because Oklahoma State got that sham ban by the NCAA, is not eligible for the, the tournament this year. Okay. So that leaves nine Big 12 teams. Eight of the nine are in the top 50 net. Eight. In Joe Lenardi's bracketology that he posted this morning, eight, all eight are in his bracketology. Hmm. Eight out of nine, that's 89% of your conference, of your eligible teams, is in the tournament. And we go back to the American Athletic Conference, P6, baby, P6, power six. One. One. And that one, James, Will, will be joining what conference in a few years? The Big 12. So that's where we are. And no, this is not shade. This is fact. The teams that will be joining will will be replacing U of H, Cincinnati, UCF, from the American, from Conference USA, they're not in the top 50 in the net. So what the American will be replacing, basketball is not going to be in great shakes compared to the big boys. So, and the thing about the Big 12, because of the eight teams in the top 50, every Big 12 conference game for the road team counts, if you win on the road in the Big 12, will count as a quadrant one victory. All of them. James, I think the American now has maybe three if you went at Cincinnati. You know, maybe just two. Cincinnati and because I was going to say Memphis, and I'm not sure where they're teetering now. And maybe SMU, which I doubt, but I have to look at that. That's it. So it's it's surprising to me because before the season. I'm asked a lot of things. You might get, get the question as well. How many teams from the conference, the American, do you think will get bids to the tournament? I think we even, even discussed it back in October. We said, what, at least two, maybe three or four? Mm-hmm. Right now, it's Houston. That's, that's it. 
And if Houston, the only way a team other than Houston will get to the tournament from the American is if they win the conference championship in Fort Worth. Yeah. To get two. That's that's it. What does that say about the American, Mr. Big Ten? It says that there's work to do. There's work to do. Um, one team? Yeah. I gotta watch my words. Because I always get a bad rap of, um, like you said, Mr. Big Ten. I gotta make sure I'm, I'm fair and accurate, James. But um, it's, uh, I mean, it's not a, I mean, it's, it's about right. It's about right. For this year, it's about right. It, it is, James. And it's hard to, it's hard to defend. I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's worth defending. What do you think about it? Because I saw Jeff Goodman said, um, referred to the conference this year, the American, as mediocre. And he's being kind this year. Just what are thoughts on the conference right now? Because it, as it, flip side, the AAC women's basketball has two, <laughs> two, South Florida and Central Florida in the tournament. Who would have thought that? Go ahead, James. Yeah, I mean, sort of like you said, the conference on the men's basketball side is in shambles with the American, and especially when you're going to look in the next year or so, who knows when, but in in the next few years at least, you're going to have, you know, your most consistent program over the last five years. That, like, was your biggest threat to make a run in the tournament, gone. You're going to lose Cincinnati, UCF, who Cincinnati – has put together some good teams um, in the past and they've typically been, you know, one of the better, uh, better, higher quality uh, teams in the American. So you're losing that already. Um, it, it's just hard to fathom, especially with, cause there's, there's conferences out there that should have a lot work or look a lot worse than the American, but especially with the American being the power six, like you say, Case in um, point, Mount West, four teams in the top 50. West Coast Conference, four teams in the top 50. Big East, six teams in the top 50. Those three conferences are not P6, Commissioner Resco. Basketball is a little different. You don't want to say maybe, what do they call it, Power 7, Mid-7, or whatever you want to call it. But Big East, six, Mount West, four, West Coast Conference, four, the American Uno. Let's have some good news. Have some happier times, happier discussion. Uh, Dennis Dawes, CBS Sports, reported earlier this week that the Big 12 met in Vegas. Must be nice. Last month with uh, new members, representatives from um, U of H, UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, to discuss the divisional format. James, I'm going to come to you first. What are your thoughts on the discussion of the Big 12 splitting into two 17 divisions? And this premise, the planning of it, Will James, is as if Texas and Oklahoma will be in the Big 12 through 2024-25, which I still don't think that's going to happen, but it's got a plan for it anyway. James, what are your thoughts on the two divisions of seven teams each? Yeah, I figured... Um assuming texas and oklahoma stay in they'd have to do something like that because you have 14 teams you'd have to get it to you know that sec pac 12 big 10 scenario where you got different divisions because you can't just have 14 teams just sort of scrambled um one interesting thing from like 
the report what I, I found funny because it's not going to happen but like you know a lot of people are calling for you know texas and oklahoma to be in the same division so they don't meet in the conference championship but i mean the big 12 that that's their biggest money maker if they if that's possible to have that conference championship they want it because that's going to draw the most attention um but in terms of uh overall i think i think it's going to happen um i think it makes the most sense Houston fans, if Texas and Oklahoma stay in, which I'm, I'm more side with Chris and like, I don't see them staying through the 2025 Houston fans would be happy though. Cause in the projections, they got Texas and Houston in the same bracket. And that's always, you know, someone that U of H fans are always wanting a piece of. So we'll see. Well, what do you think about that? The, the, the two, two seven team divisions, either North, South, East, West, whatever. And then when Texas OU leave, it'll be easy to just go, from the seven to two 16 divisions. Yeah, I think it's it, it's par for the course. I mean, because this is the rule that yeah, if you got twelve teams, at least 12, 12? You got to be divisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, here in the you know Big Ten country, it's been two seventeen divisions: Big Ten East, Big Ten West. <laughs> I'm glad they a little uh, a little sidebar when the Big Ten really became the fourteen team conference and splitting the divisions. The two division names were Leaders and Legends. That lasted all of two years, and they got roasted universally throughout the conference. So they finally decided, okay, let's go East and West, which, yeah, yeah, East and West. But, yeah, so two 17 divisions, yeah, that's that's pretty standard. And then, um, you know, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, 16 divisions, yeah, I think, I think it'll be – it could be standard, pretty nice. What did your gut stand right now tell you about Texas and Oklahoma staying in all this time? They won't. That was easy. That was easy. They won't. See, no, no one believes that they're going to stay for the full time. No. I no. mean, it's a you know we're talking what the numbers say: seventy-five mil per per you know Texas and seventy-five for Oklahoma. That's a lot of money to to us commoners. But there's a way for them to, you know, I mentioned it a few shows ago about paying out over seven years, you know, announcing it as it's being paid. But, you know, I just don't see it. I'll be shocked if if it happens. I, I just don't see it. I, and, I, and if it happens, I admit that I'm wrong. OK. All right. You know, what we're going to do here, guys. I'm going to give you all a break for a quick segment sponsored. But I mentioned a few things and then. Well, your favorite time, I'm going to talk about U of H football deposits again. But after we come back, after I do my little solo screen, Tamer Knight has joined us. So I'm going to come back from the break. We'll have a foursome here, and then hopefully Andy will join us in a few minutes after that. So, gentlemen and lady, I'll see you in oh, a few minutes. So here we go with this, and this segment is sponsored to you by Steve Saxinian and the Saxinian family. I am Chris Gardner of course, of the Houston Round Bar Review. Just going to talk about a few things as usual. And I want to say this, that, um, and I'm, Steve, don't hate me on this, but I'm going to mention this as well. Little Rice tidbit. Tomorrow, January 22nd, Rice University's R Association is inviting all Rice letter winners to the Rice versus Charlotte men's basketball game, which tips at 2 p.m. Central. Uh, stop by the R Association table located in the lobby of Tudor Fieldhouse to pick up your new 
our card. Contact Nate McGill at 713-348-6916 or email Nate at Nate, N-A-T-E dot McGill, M-C-G-I-L-L at rice dot E-D-U. So see, folks out there, I can talk about rice and other schools besides U of H. So don't hate on that. There you go right there as an example. Houston Cougars, alums and football fans, lock in your seats for 2022 with a season ticket deposit for only, Mr. Gibson, for only $75. The deposit will be applied toward the final cost of the 2022 season tickets. Fans can email tickets at uh.edu or call 713-GO-COOGS, 713-462-6647 during regular business hours. Lock in your seats for the 2022 Houston Cougars football season and be part of all the excitement as the Cougs stand ready to compete for another conference championship before heading into the Big 12 conference. Score big with Houston football. Same great seats for every game. Earn priority points, flexible payment plan options, exclusive invitations to Houston football events, priority access to postseason tickets, priority access to single game tickets and pre-sales, special pre-sale ticket offers to special events held at UH Athletics facilities. Once again, Houston football fans, alums, fans, call 713-GO-COOGS, 713-462-6647. You can get your, put your money down to lock in your seats for the 2022 uh, football season with a season ticket deposit for only $75. Tamer Knight, get ready, because I'm going to ask you if you're going to shell out that $75 for your Houston Cougars football tickets. This segment was sponsored by Steve Saxinian and the Saxinian family. All right, let's do this, gentlemen and lady, as I try to figure this out on the fly here. Tamer, are you ready? He's, he's around, so she won in when she can, because I hope she heard me asking her about the money of the $75. But uh, James, uh, U of H football got the uh, Shiner commitment. Shiner, what's his name, young man? Big Will, you got you gonna love this. Okay. Running back and defensive tackle. Uh, Shiner High School, six. Speed one six two maybe two sixty okay two sixty what's the name like Doug Brooks let me pull this I can pull it up here um, he, he's great on the line defensive line defensive tackle but he's also quick and running he's a running back he played he did both will can you imagine that yeah. Here we go. If I pull it up somewhere, where is it? Help me out, James. I just pulled it up somewhere. I lost it. But, um, but yeah, he's Shiner. He has a brother who's in high still in high school, and uh, he might. It's not a package deal, but he might be leaning toward U of H as well. He's getting bigger programs also. But just thoughts on a running back slash defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, I know Chris and I were talking about this a little after uh, Tuesday night's 
uh, UH basketball game. Um, I mean, it's a nice skill set to have. Obviously, you're not going to have a guy play, you know, both ways all the way. But I was saying I can see Houston, you know, using him primarily as a defense alignment. But then coming in, you know, in goal line situations, maybe as like a fullback type who, you know, an extra body to block occasionally, they'll hand them the ball off, something like that. Um, just to, just since he has that skill set and capability, I mean, they'll, they'll definitely try to maximize that because we saw that with Marcus Jones this year, how Dana Holgerson used him in a variety of ways. So I'm, I think, you know, the, the, they'll experiment with him um, and I'm interested to see what's happening or what will happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's six feet, 260, plays on the interior, but he's got quick enough feet to get it get it done also. Offense on the goal line situations. I think Will James may not be old enough to know about the fridge, William Perry, but mm -hmm. uh, what about that? A two-way player, Shiner, I'm not sure what classification that is uh, in Texas. It's not, I don't think, 5A or 6A, but still. Uh, what are your thoughts on a, a six foot two sixty young man with quick feet who can get it done on both sides of the ball? Six foot two sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Well, you know, Houston. Houston's offered. He signed. He, he committed. Signed. He committed. Right, James. He committed. Yep. Now is he twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three? What what year? He's twenty twenty two. His brother is twenty twenty three. His brother's a four star. So he's all right. So yeah. See Doug that, Brooks and his brother is Dalton Brooks. You telling me that leads me to believe that it is a package deal. They want the four star. So let's get the older brother this year in hopes that that helps us in recruiting little brother next year. I mean, because they were the first to offer him a, a ship back in 2020 with U of H. Yeah, that sounds that that reeks of package deal to me. It does. And, and can I go sidebar? I, I know this is so off topic, but the Lakers are losing to Orlando tonight at by eight at halftime. And I don't know if you had the Charles Barkley guarantee, but if they lose to Orlando tonight, I'm not a component for calling for people's jobs. I do not wish for people to lose their jobs. However, you want to say it? Want me to put it up? If they lose to Orlando tonight. I will almost with certainty guarantee Frank guarantee. will no longer be coach and it will be David Fisdale. You kind of I almost certain blah 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 blah. Come on, Will. Yeah, you like that, Come right? on. Come on. You if like they lose that, right? to Orlando, Orlando has the worst record in the NBA. Yes. By a good three, four games now. <laughs> you know. Yes. And they're and they're injured. Well, I don't Jalen Suggs came back, but still. Some of their key young guys are, are, are banged up. But yes. yes. You wanna you wanna do it? I'll do it. All right. Guarantee. Indianez, you ready? Maybe you can see. hear me. Yes, you can. All right, I'm gonna have to take her down. So did you hear that guarantee there, Andy? I did. Do you agree with it? If the Lakers lose tonight to Orlando. Frank Vogel will be well. Will what is you? Is he going to be fired tonight or tomorrow? Uh tonight. <laughs> okay, tonight. Andy, what do you say about that? 
I absolutely agree. I got to go down with Will. I guarantee Frank Vogel won't make it. I mean, he won't leave with the Lakers back off the game. Guarantee! Eight wins on the season? They have eight. Eight wins. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, eight that's wins. like five worse than the Rockets or like worse than the West. I, I mean, actually, it might be six. It's six. Now, Rockets have 14. I think Detroit has 11. Maybe twelve. So, Andy's joining us. Tamer, I think, is getting ready. Uh, she's adjusting the camera. Tamer, give me a thumbs up when you're ready. Oh, she turned off the camera. Um, because I want to talk to everyone about the NCAA convention, the results of that, but also and well, well, since you since you said this to me, Mr. Kevin Ollie. Yes. Let's talk about Mr. Kevin Ollie winning his arbitration case. And the arbitrator said, UConn, within 10 days, y'all owe Mr. Ollie $11 million. Straight cash, homie. $11 million. 10 business Tamer, she drinks part. her water. That's a no problem. We're all good. We're all family. But in case... The rest of my my family has not heard or read this. I just want to read some comments from the arbitrator Mark Irvings about his decision to award the eleven point two million dollars to Kevin Ollie that UConn must pay within ten business days. You quote UConn's dismissal of Kevin Ollie was predicated on an incomplete investigation, inadequate process, and ultimately a collection of unproven or minor isolated infractions for which termination was far too severe a sanction. The entire decision was tinged with UConn's self-interest of avoiding additional institutional penalties and escaping the obligation to pay Ali the amounts agreed to in his contract. Another major structural deficiency of the NCAA process is that representatives of the member institution have the right to sit in on all witness interviews. This is despite the fact that the institution itself is supposedly a potential target of the investigation. In contrast, a coach such as Ali, who is the focal point of the investigation, is not allowed to have any representatives in the interviews or to even suggest potential witnesses to be interviewed, end quote. Thoughts on that? Because I got some more stuff, more quotes from the arbitrator. Where, Will, I know you didn't like part of the little dig you took at Urban Meyer, yeah. but uh, I got to read that too. Here we go. Irving noted, UConn fired Ali for cause when other coaches accused of similar conduct hadn't been fired, let alone with cause. Quote, at the Ohio State University, Listen, football man. coach Urban Meyer was cited for a level three violation when he arranged a call between a prospect and his former quarterback at the University of Florida, Tim Tebow. Meyer was not disciplined by the NCAA or his institution at UConn. Just a few months after Ali's firing, 
women's basketball coach Dina Oriyama arranged for NBA star Kyrie Irving to visit his out to visit his house while recruits for the women's team were present. Pursuant to the NCAA's discretion, UConn issued Oriyama a letter of admonishment, but no discipline followed. End quote. But yet UConn. Kevin Ollie did some of the similar things. Had Ray, Ray Allen call a few recruits. That was it. They fired Kevin Ollie. Didn't fire Gino. Will, Tamer, Andy, what are your thoughts on all this, man? Tamer, you're, you're, you're on mute. mute. On mute. There we go. I was waiting to see what everybody else was going to say, but not really. My opinion. Say it again. I'm gonna give you full screen. Oh, look at that shirt you got on there. Oh, look at that. That oh, was Final really Four shirt. <laughs> it's not really surprising to me, in my opinion. Um, I'm. Ha- I think it's good that he won the settlement and he's gonna get paid out the rest of his contract. Um, this is a society we live in today. I'll just say that. Do you do you really think UConn's gonna pay all eleven million dollars? I mean, why wouldn't they? Oh, thank you for saying that, Tamer. Panel. <laughs> why would anybody, anybody want to jump in on that? Why would you come pay the eleven million dollars, James? You're not getting anything from Ollie right now, um, so I don't want to spend. If I'm UConn, I don't want to just have eleven million dollars just going to someone where. He's doing nothing for me right now, um, so I'm sure they'll try to find other loopholes and stuff because um, they're not going to be happy to pay that. Andy, why wouldn't you kind of want to pay the $11 million? Similar situation. I mean, it, it, it's essentially throwing money down the drain, but honestly, kind of like Tamer said, if it's a settlement and it was said that they have to pay, uh, honestly, I can't think, how, how could they wiggle them, themselves out of not having to pay. Well, yeah. How can you avoid paying the eleven million dollars? Oh, there's a slight chance they can they can file uh, some uh, legal. There's a there's a legal way to do it. It's slight. They can, they can appeal the arbitration. They can, they can appeal it. But the chances of them winning the appeal are very slim. Very slim. Yep. But but I'm also going to say to y'all, Utah's in debt. UConn, I think their deficit last season was like $47 million. Yep. So I'm not sure, unless Gina's going to go into his, his wine collection money, they got $11 million to, uh, to pay. Well, let me clarify. I don't think he's going to get $11 million right up front. Uh, I think they could work out maybe a payment plan. <laughs> why would he do that? Yeah, why would he do that when the arbitrator says they must pay the $11.2 million within 10 business days? Wow. Okay, 10 business days. Never mind. I was. So I think- Go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say, like, I guess the only way to postpone having to pay them would be to to 
you know, argue the, the outcome that was made. But even then, I mean, it, I'm trying to see that to me, that just seems like punting it. But even if, if they aren't able to overturn the decision, they, they're going to have to pay regardless, wouldn't they? Right. They're going to have to pay. They're yeah. going to figure out something because, and one of the ironies of all this is Kevin Ollie's an alum. <laughs> He's a UConn alum. And did you see? One, read one of his quotes yesterday was, I still have love for my, my alma mater and, and I love all that. And he won a championship there as a coach. I think Kevin Ollie's name at UConn is mud. <laughs> okay. So he's, it's easy for him to take the high road because he won. He won the arbitration case. But I, I'm not sure Kevin could step foot in the state of Connecticut without having some repercussions. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that, Will? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And more importantly than that, he got his money, but they hit him with a show cause penalty. Which ends, I think, in the summertime. Yeah, yeah it ends in July. But for the last three years, I mean, he's coaching overtime elite now. But they dismissed his character to the point that he couldn't get hired anywhere. Yep. Anywhere. Very true. It's crazy. So I, I'm just – I. I laugh at all of this because it's fascinating to me. And good, he had good lawyers, good attorneys who came through for him. So good on them for getting it done. But okay, as touched on by the arbitrator, Mr. Mark Irving, he was critical of the NCAA, as many of us have been for, oh my gosh, who knows how long. Um, let me pull it up here because I had to talk about Mr. Ali and, and that the result. Where is the quote? Where is the quote? Because I, I want to get the quote here, and we can just go from there. I believe she's at the Division Three school. Her name is uh, Best, Betsy Mitchell, athletic director at Caltech. Quote, why are we still trying to stick together? End quote. That's at the convention, the meeting of the Division One, Division Two, and Division Three schools. I agree. Why are all three divisions trying to still work together? Division one, especially the major programs, they have nothing in common with hell, the G5 programs in division one. So the vote was overwhelmingly in favor of decentralization, basically. 801 to 195. D2, D3 schools not happy because they're not getting a, a larger piece of the pot from the March Madness money. But James, do you agree with that quote? Why are they still trying to, to stick together? Yeah, I agree. Like you said, they, there's not much logic other than, you know, the financial aspect, which you brought up, trying to get piece of pies from the bigger, uh, you know, events. But I mean, they really... <laughs> D2, D3 have nothing to do with D1 in most cases. And so there's not a ton of reasons why I can see, you know, why they, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Tamer, let's see. Okay. Greg Sankey, he's part of the, he's the SEC commissioner. He's a co-chair along with um, athletic director Julie Cromer from Ohio University. They're co-chairs on the quote-unquote Division I Transformation Committee, which is comprised mostly mostly 
of athletic directors, athletic administrators, and university presidents. They're going to report of going to meet every week for six, seven months to formulate a plan of what they want to do at Division One. Tamer, Will, James, Andy. Do y'all think there's going to be a subdivision of Division One, which is basically Power Five? And Power Five kind of moves on away from everybody else because the autonomy that had now been granted by the Division One schools, they can do what they want to do now on the Division One level. So if they want to say we're going to pay, we want all our members to have full scholarships for every student asset. Tamer, some Division One programs looking at you, TSU, looking at you, you know, HBCUs, they can't do that. No. So, Power Five. What if it becomes Power Five only? What if it? What if it becomes what is like we have in football here in Texas? James Tamer, Andy, uh, in high school, six A, five A. We got large group, large enrollment, small enrollment, something like that. Will could you see that happening? Absolutely, absolutely. Should it, should it happen? Yes, yes. Tamer, do you agree with that? Should it happen? I agree. I, with you. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think so because I mean then that just kind of takes away from collegiate sports as a whole because now you're like in high school is acceptable because you know different um districts are you know larger than others or that for for that matter only but separating <laughs> separating the 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 conferences or taking power five away to Make them the higher above. I don't think that's fair to other athletes, especially if you're looking at it in the sense that you know some of the athletes from D two, D three, they're looking to get to that to that Division one. So now, does that make it harder for them to reach the next level? But that's just my point. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Will. Go ahead. But that's just it. It's already been done. Division two, Division three, Division four. So it's just another layer of it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you brought up that like I found fascinating in the Sports Illustrated ar article you sent to us is just like the the, the huge budget uh, difference. It talked about you know Power Five, their median budget's one hundred twenty three million. Power uh, Group of Five athletic budgets um, around thirty seven million and sixteen point seven million for FCS. So I mean, there's already a huge difference there. So like you said they can put in these requirements where they're going to make, they're going to make it where these schools can't pay. So, and I do think um, that we will see some sort of group of five separation or power five separation um, at some point. Andy. No. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like if the power five conferences have the ability to do it, they have, obviously they have the resources, the money to do it, the TV contracts and all power through them. Go ahead and do it now. It sucks from the viewpoint if you're not if you're not a member of one of the Power Five schools, one of the Power Five conferences. But I mean, kind of James hit on it a little bit right now. Where to be honest, it already kind of is. It's the Power Five. It's everybody else, especially when it comes to the the biggest sport of them all. When it comes to college football, I mean, Cincinnati they, they were an outlier. They it took them two years or honestly, three years of building a program, and even then they still had a lot of breaks along the way to get into and crack the top four as a non-Power 5 school. And outside of Cincinnati, they might be the only G5 to ever do it, to be honest. It's certainly 
depending on until they restructure the the playoff format. But that's not going to happen. It's already you can already see the line divided between Power Five and on Power Five. And once the American Athletic Conference loses Houston, they lose Cincinnati, they lose UCF. It's just going to be the the gap will be much more wider than it already is. And this is for for the panel because I'm not sure of this. I think U of H's athletic budget is currently on par with some Power 5 programs. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, Kansas maybe, something like that, some smaller program, or, hell, Vanderbilt, some of those smaller Power 5 universities that are, their athletic programs are just, you know, especially football-wise, they're, they're, they're just glad to be in, in a big boy conference. Thoughts on that? Because then I got a, I got a, another comment. But Tamer, go ahead. I mean, when you're comparing U of H to bigger D5, D1s, excuse me, can you really compare them to a bigger D1? I mean, gosh, please, Cook fans, don't like beat me up, but I think are we comparing them to a bigger D one or a Power Five D one? Well, if they move to the Big Twelve, that'll help their money. You know, they'll, they'll probably spend more than they make until more alums buy football tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, hint, hint there. But all right, but if we're just considering like a factor like that. Can we really like see them making the move to compare or even be in a Big Five school? Well, maybe more. They're close. Well, I'll say this: the money they have spent and probably will continue spending puts them closer to the level of other Power Five programs. They're never going to be on the level of Texas, A&M, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, but they'll be, you know, around the tier with Oklahoma State, um, Utah, California, Oregon State you know, other schools like that who are in the power five. But, panel, NABC executive director, Craig Robinson, quote from yesterday after the results, after the vote, the NABC commends the NCAA membership for approving a new constitution and empowering each division to chart a course for its future. This is an important step, but more work must be done the NTA's new governance structure must allow individual sports to determine what is best for their student athletes. Accordingly, we believe it is prudent to grant Division I men's basketball broad legislative and policy autonomy to make decisions based on the sport's unique opportunities and challenges. No longer should a common sense policy for men's basketball be rejected because it doesn't work for another NCAA sport. The NABC looks forward to collaborating with Division One leaders to develop a structure that will sustain the growth of the sport that generates most of the NCAA's revenue, thereby benefiting all student athletes, end quote. Thoughts on that, Mr. Gibson? You're gonna be in trouble, man. I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to stay. Trying to stay in the good graces of my people down there. But yeah, 
I'm, I'm just going back to I'm looking at two things here. You mentioned at the athletic budget differences. I can only speak for what the, the school I'm, I'm most familiar with, Ohio State. Most recently, uh, I think it was 2020, uh, they brought in $234 million and spent $215 million. So for the one of the, and it sounds crazy, one of the few years, it turned a profit. Yeah. It turned a profit. $19 million. A little under, little under $19 million. Most years, people, they, 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 when I say this, they look at me like, there's no way. Most years, Ohio State doesn't turn a profit in years past. And now with COVID, it's going to be. And that's, beautiful. James Tamer, that's the Ohio State University that does not turn a profit. Yeah. So you're pulling in, think about U of H. U of H, James, they haven't pulled a profit. They're pulling money from the student fees and all those things. They're, they're struggling to make, a, to make a profit. They hope that the money they get from the Big 12 will help narrow the their deficit. But, you know, once again, it's going to depend more on supporting football, donations, and other things like that. So if the Ohio State University, one of the biggest athletic programs in all of Division I sports, doesn't make a profit year in, year out, why are we doing this? Why does it still happen? James. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like you're saying, if the top dogs aren't aren't getting anything out of it, you know, not getting a nice uh, stack of cash year in and year out, then certainly not, you know, any any schools below that. And so it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, I mean, you see the reasoning for wanting changes um, just because. It, it, what, what's happening right now isn't work isn't working and the issue i want to bring andy in with this the issue is one of the issues bigger issues is march madness is as uh, the quote from craig robinson is the nta's cash cap but what can these new autonomy policies do because i mean uh, bob huggins suggested I think around media day that the power five should have its own men's basketball tournament, which would exclude everybody else. It would, it would lessen, you know, the Cinderella stories and all those things. So what could Craig Robinson do? Because they don't want to kill that cow, you know, CBS Turner, the billion dollar money they get from the TV deal. So what could Craig Robinson do for autonomy for men's basketball. Notice he said men's basketball. He did not say women's basketball. That's a whole that's another different topic and gender equity on, on those issues. But what could be done? Because they don't, they say they don't want to pull away from the March Madness, you know, the big boy, the power five programs. But what can they do to have autonomy, make money? And keep everybody happy in the at the bigger programs because they, they don't want to give the smaller schools their piece of the pie. James, Will, Andy, Tamer, somebody jump in. I mean, one thing that like I can think of off the top of my head is you know we see like the Big Twelve SEC challenge, like you know these interconference Power Five, you know 
one game little things. So I could see like them maybe, you know, a mid-season little tournament or something like that with Power 5, you know, schools, something like that. That could be an option. That's that's the first thing that popped into my head just because these mini tournaments are already happening. So maybe just like expand that a little bit, but I don't know. Andy? James, that's, that's really interesting. I had never thought of that. It, honestly, when you put it that way, I, I guess that's one form of autonomous consequence that could be able to happen that could, I guess, would be the, the positive light in it. I mean, to be honest, what James just described would sound well if you had a Big 12 SEC tournament every year in the middle of the season. But, I mean, for the most part, I, 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 I tend to agree with, with everyone else in terms of, I mean, what, if they are granted that autonomy, what really can they do? Would it, would it just be that the Power Five can make the home, they'll play different rules and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, when Chris, whenever you first brought up of, you know, say the Power Five, they make their own tournament. To me, that, that makes zero sense, like you mentioned. And that's something that, TV networks aren't going to want. That's something that obviously, of course, the, the group, the non-Power 5 conferences aren't going to want. Uh, to me, that ends up hurting everyone in the grand scheme of things. So it's confusing to me why, what really, what, what would the flexibility be outside of whether it's what James proposed, which would be awesome, yeah, but outside of that, what, what more of the positive, what, what would more of those positives be? Yeah, when Bob Huggins said it, he mentioned it, it was, I think, right around at Big 12 Media Day, and he, there was a lot of a lot of pushback when he said it. So I'm not sure how much, you know, if, yep. if it still has legs. But again, they can't forget about women's basketball, the gender equity, Title IX issues, that'd be a problem. But they have plans. I think some of the plans that NABC would like for autonomy, they want to have more control over the recruiting calendar you know, number of visits that coaches can make in terms like that. And of course, everybody, every sport's going to have to deal with the name, image, and likeness. But as D-Skills Ace Town said in the comments, the vote that's made um, everything that was unofficial, reality, it's official. The differences in Division One, Division Two, Division Three, the power programs, the bigger programs, the G5, we've all known, we see it. We see it here in town. The differences in the programs between Houston, TSU, HBU, oh, sure. and Rice. Yeah. And that's here. Oh. You know, that's, that's, I'll, that's I'll even... never forget. Yeah, James, you can comment on this. I'll never forget walking into Rice and their football facility. I mean, good good grief. It looks like, you know, to be honest, when I walked into Rice Stadium, it looked like walking into, it was like we went back in time. I mean, yeah. the, press box, the press box at Rice was terrible. You have to walk all these sets of stairs, to be honest. The railing on the, the go, walking up the press box, if you leaned on it, it literally tipped. It, it's night and day difference between the University of Houston Athletics Department and, and the stuff they have, certainly for when it comes to for men's basketball, women's basketball, for, for football. It's clear it's night and day. Head and shoulders above any other university in town. Yeah, was, go ahead, go ahead, Tamer. I was gonna add, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any any university in the city is competing with U of H, and, and it just kind of 
yeah, you guys can say like, you know, University of Houston, they're not making a profit. But if you think about them not making a profit, then it just kind of uh, gives you that thought in your back of your head about like, what about these other schools that are in town? Um, clearly, we know they're not, you know, making a profit or they're not able to invest in their facilities or, you know, in general. And I'm pulling up from an article that Dana O'Neill wrote uh, with The Athletic last month. Um, one of the quotes, or one of the reasons for the NABC, the basketball coaches wanting more autonomy, is they're tired of football making decisions for them. So from Nova head coach Jay Wright, quote, a lot of the decisions made about basketball are being made by football people lumping in basketball with all the other sports. We're trying to be authentic about it. This is a big business and we create the revenue for the NTA. So we just want a say in governing our own sport, end quote. Thoughts on that? I mean, I get, I get it, but I mean, I get you want to control your own sport, obviously, but there's it, it's just so hard with everything that's happening and just all the current things. But I get the you know desire to you know want to have autonomy over your own sport because and not allow you know other outside factors to sort of affect the decisions um, that are being made within your own sport. And here's a counter to Bob Huggins quote from. Craig Robinson, again, the executive director of the National Association of Basketball Coaches. It's not like we're going to go and change the NTA tournament, but the NTA tournament is the golden goose. And yet there's not been much reinvestment in our game. You can't be an authority and not control your own budgets. End quote. Andy, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I wasn't able to listen to, to the full quote. Okay, full quote. It's not like we're going to change to go and change the NTA tournament, but the um, but the NTA. Well, read again. It's not like we're going to go and change the NTA tournament payouts, but the NTA tournament is a golden goose, and yet there's not been much reinvestment in our game. You can't be an authority and not control your own budgets. End quote. Who, who said it? Craig Robinson, the executive director of the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Hmm. When I when I hear that quote, I guess what what the argument that's being made is that essentially they want more input on specific rules, and when it comes to rule changes, that uh, depending on who gets gets granted autonomy, would it be the conference individually? Would it be a whole set of conferences together it sounds like he has a specific kind of gripe with with maybe it was the way the rule changes get changed now he does and their gripe here we go um they want more say so in scheduling the recruiting calendar staff composition and most importantly budgetary oversight So James, what are your thoughts on that? They don't agree with the one size fits all model that has been the case for years. Yeah, I mean, 
like I said before, there's there's so many differences sport by sport. Uh, I, I understand, you know, wanting that, and I do think there needs to be change. I'm just not exactly sure how they're going to work it out, and I don't have the perfect answer. But um, it's definitely, you know, there's lots of conversations that still need to be had um, for them to figure something out um, because I, I do get, you know, the one size doesn't fit all argument. We're going to wrap up these last 10 minutes with U of H men's basketball discussion and keep everybody on the screen here. Um, this hoop segment, U of H hoop segment, brought to you by Steve Sexini and the Sexini family. James, Andy, Tamer, first things, uh, Coach Sampson mentioned it yesterday, Thursday, the conference made official today that the Houston Cincinnati game at Fertitta Center that was postponed. December 28th will take place, has been rescheduled to Tuesday, March 1st. I think it's Tuesday, right, James? I think it's Tuesday, March 1st? Yeah. Uh, game time and network, TV network, have yet to be announced. But that will be, that will make uh, U of H have three straight home games, uh, each about a day apart. Game on the 27th, the 1st, and the 3rd, I think, something like that. And then they'll end up with the last game being at Memphis on the road on March 6th. So thoughts on that? Coach Sampson said he wanted to get the game. He wanted to play the game. You know, it's a lot of games, three, three games in, what, five days? So the chances are they're all at home. So the chances are they may not win all three. Coach Sampson's okay with that. Um, need, needs the games. Competition is good for the team, all those kind of things. Saturday, tomorrow, January 22nd, the Cougs host East Carolina. Be the only time these two teams face each other. This season, U of H, the game will be at 5 p.m. Central Time. U of H is 5-0 in the American. First place. It's on the fourth time in program history. They've been have a 5-0 start in conference play. One note I like is that uh, Fabian White now has, in his U of H career, 105 career wins to rank second in school history behind Michael Young's 109 wins. Gentlemen and lady, I think it's safe to say uh, Fabian White is going to get that record. He'll pass Michael Young. He'll get five more wins at least. So he'll be the leader in the clubhouse for that. Fabian only needs one more home win to set the Fertitta Center record. Tamer, with 44 victories during his career, White is currently tied with Bryson Gresham who enjoyed 43 wins from 2018 to 2021. Yes, Bryson Gresham. How about that? He's at TSU, grad transfer. Some numbers, some good numbers. It's kind of interesting here. James, you know it. Tamer, you may not know this, but, you know, Andy chime in as well. With the, in the win over at South Florida, Tyson Moore scored, what was it, James, 13 points? For doing yeah, that, I think so. Part of his 13 points. He surpassed 1,000 points in his college career. He had 882 at, at his previous school, Cal State Bakersfield. He's now at 1,007 with the points he got thus far at U of H. But Fabian White only needs 39 more points to get 1,000. And Josh Carlton needs 43 more points to get 1,000. So Fabian Josh, Josh would be, Fabian will be the 49th player 
in Houston history to get 1,000, then Josh will be the 50th player. So how about that? It's all, all coming together. Thoughts on that, Andy, about so many guys having a chance to reach 1,000 points in a college career? Uh, to, to be honest, what, what it shows me is that this team, and I'm obviously, of course, the, the big story for, for the University of Houston this season has been the, the injuries. <laughs> the injuries top down, it seems like every every game there's someone else that rolls an ankle or something. There's always something. But obviously, of course, with Marcus Sasser out for the, the season and, and Tremont Mark as well, what it shows me is that this team is still, they're not young. They have senior leadership across the board, obviously to be able to reach those accomplishments, you have to have been able to have, have played for a while. And I, I, you guys, I, I'm joining me, so I don't know if you guys have already touched on Penny Hardaway, but oh, yes. I know the, the comments, that the, the outbursts that he had uh, last night, um, and obviously, of course, when that happened, I, I'm sure a lot, I saw a lot of Houston fans piling up, uh, especially with the expectations that Memphis had at the beginning of the season just with the number of high recruits they had but i think that's the difference between much better especially when it comes to a veteran team and you look across the board they have kyler edwards fabian why who's been here for forever i know kyler edwards hasn't been here this is his first season but he's not a a, a young player same thing goes with tajay moore uh josh carlton there they have experience they know how to play and i think that's really what has propels Houston even after they lost both Sasser and Mark to continue to to keep just finding ways to win and to be honest I feel like that that's the story of the season for the University of Houston team and, and it, it, it has allowed them to stay afloat since losing Sasser and Mark. Well put Andy that's what we, we mentioned that uh, during the earlier part of the, the show because for the U of H fans who I know they, they, they love hating on Memphis and will take a shot at Memphis because Memphis has the same thing in return to U of H. But just imagine the injuries resulted in, let's let's say, because of the injuries to U of H, you didn't have senior leadership of Fabian White, Giles Carlton, Tazia Moore, and Kyler Edwards. Instead, you had to play freshman JVA Francis, Robbie Armbrester, uh, Ramon Walker, 30 minutes a game. Do you think U of H would be 16 to 2? No. no. Okay, so let's let's be real about that. So experience does help, and it's important in college basketball to have better leaders to win ball games. Let's be clear on that. All right, we're gonna wrap it up, wind it down here. U of H, ECU, ECU is 0-2 on the road. They beat Memphis at home last Saturday. They're two and three in conference, 11 and six overall. Andy, I don't know if I don't really care about the spread in the game. But ECU, Tristan Newton uh, leads them with 17.9 points a game and 5.1 assists. Vance Jackson is at 12.2 points and 5.8 boards. And then Brandon Suggs is third with 10 points, 10.1 points per game. Brandon Johnson leads the Pirates with 6.9 boards per game. We all know it. James, Andy, you know, Tamer, I'm sure. Last year, last season, in the only meeting between the two teams, ECU beat. U of H on the road, well, in Greenfield, North Carolina, 82-73. My kinfolk, Will, my kinfolk, mm. Jaden Gardner, had 21 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, he was a man. He'd been, he was a problem for U of H this whole time at East, East Carolina. He's now at Virginia. Uh, Chamon Robinson-White, 
added 17 points and hit five threes in the game. ECU shot 47% in that win over U of H, which was the program's first victory in the history of the program over a team ranked in the top five. And they ended a 33-game losing streak versus opponents in the AP Top 25. U of H is ranked top 10, James, for the 37th consecutive week being in top 25 poll, which is a school record. Keep extending that. Do you think Coach Sampson and the staff have brought up last season's loss at all for motivation to this year's team? I mean, it would surprise me if they mentioned it, but um, I think this team is already pretty motivated with, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago, you know, when all the injuries happened, how, you know, all the outside noise was, you know, the season's over, all this. Um, so I think they, 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 and talking to, you know, Coach Sampson and players, they've heard it. They, they, they already, you know, they feel like they have more approved now, given, you know, you're without two of your best players. So I think they're already motivated. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it would hurt to, you know, mention it. And I'm sure it's been brought up, but I don't know how much um, they've, you know, dwelled on the loss. All right. It's that time. Will. Yes, Andy, sir. James, Tamer, U of H, ECU. Anybody want to go on that, out on that limb and guarantee a Houston victory? I'll, I'll do it. I guarantee. I'll go out Houston. on the limb for victory. I think it's got to be a clean sweep. 5-0 guarantee if we're just calling victory. Okay. Well, Andy, do you know the spread? I don't know the spread, but I'm going to feel very confident. Considering where Houston is from a from a health standpoint, which I, I'm not close to Wood, so one of you guys might need a knock on Wood um, you know, first five minutes, see if they don't suffer another injury. But it, it looks like this is going to be, at least for for the past few days, about as healthy as the roster can be. I don't know. It seemed like Calvin Thompson himself was surprised that Jamal Shedd came back uh, as quickly as he did. I think. Houston at home, like um, you mentioned, Chris, that this is a team that knocked them off last season. I'm sure that it's been brought up a few times, and especially considering how similar, obviously, Houston's not top five, but this is the first time that they've cracked top ten in the AP poll all season long. Um, I, I'll go Houston. I guarantee Houston wins over 12, the 12 and a half. I'll take them 12 and a half wins. So it is 12 and a half? You found it? Oh, I have no idea. That's the Andy oh. Sportsbook sports spread. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Will, have you found it? Let me okay, see. I'm, I'm going to pull it. Guarantee! And let me just say this real quick. Vegas is impressive, okay? First things first, none of us expected Jamal Shedd to play Tuesday versus South Florida. We all thought, Coach Santa did too, that Jamal's Ankle injuries will keep him out for at least this week, if not two weeks. And then we found out after the game that Coach Sanders saw Jamal and shoot around running him down the floor and thought he could play. But I was told by a friend of mine, oh, two hours or so before the game, that the line on the game was Houston by 18 and a half. At that time, I thought there's no way in hell, <laughs> no Jamal shed, that Houston's going to cover that 18 and a half. Houston won by 19. <laughs> okay, so if anybody can pull up the number, I'm going to guarantee Houston victory. I don't know about the spread, but it's just uncanny how Vegas 
seems to get these get the get the line right more times than not. Tamer, are you going to guarantee a Houston victory over East Carolina? Unmute yourself, Tamer. I always do that. Sorry, but I said absolutely. I don't even see why we're talking about a game um, from last season. Also, considering yes, U of H. Uh, Tamer, does- Tamer, do me do me a favor. Adjust the camera because we got the banner, the sponsor banner, covering right. your face. Can you adjust the camera, or duck, or something? <laughs> wow, I didn't even notice it was like cam, but well, I mean, it's because we got five people on the screen, so you know. Okay. There we go. That's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I don't know why we're talking about a game from last season, um, considering yeah, U of H does have uh, they have been injury prone this season, but. I mean, I think they have a lot of depth on their bench to to fill in the gaps. So I'm definitely picking uh, U of H to win. U of Are H. you guaranteeing it? Yeah, absolutely. Guarantee. Okay, we got Andy, James, Tamer, guarantee Will. That's 19 and a half. It's a spread up on. Oh, I don't know about that. But okay. What are, you, what are you going to, are you going to guarantee a win though, Will? Yeah, I, I'll say that. I'll, yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, Houston should win. I'll okay. Guarantee. Is anybody going to step out on that limb to say Houston's going to cover 19 and a half? No. You know, I'll, I'll go on that. I'll go out on that limb. I think they got it. All right. Guarantee. <laughs> there you go. And that's how we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Andy, you first. How can folks find you and interact with you on social media? Sure, they can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Uh, they can check out my daily, well, not daily, but <laughs> my <laughs> random tweets, the facts of the night, um, of the day, and every now and then uh, UH coverage, local coverage of anyone that lives in the Paraland Friendswood area, and just other stuff across the across the country to be honest like you said local name global perspective for all of us here at folks tamer how can folks find you on social media you can find me on twitter and instagram at t night sports uh that's t-k-n-i-g-h-t sports also tune in to at&t sports net southwest where i am the show host for tsu sports show and it seems like you're most recent show is a lot of fun. I saw <laughs> yeah. your tweet. I, I gotta watch it, but I, I gotta. Ty Bridges is not a fan of Houston food. Yeah, she thinks Alabama food is way better. Okay, yeah, she hasn't been a, at enough Houston <laughs> spots. Yeah, until Ty said that too. Yes, no. She, come on, Ty. She needs to get out more around the city. James, how can folks find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at JDM two one eight six, and then. All my coverage um, and work is on the dailycougar.com. Willie Gibson, how can folks find you, sir? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WillGibson7. Uh, on Facebook, Will Knows, the Will Knows Facebook page. And just to finish up, Frank Vogel heard me calling for his job because the Lakers went on the 17-2 17, 17 run to start the third quarter. And they now lead 101-89, six minutes left in the game. Okay, we'll see. The players care enough about Frank to keep him around. <laughs> Maybe that's it. They, they're willing to play for their coach. Isn't that a good sign? Maybe. It you is. Know, you know. No. 
if they fired Frank Frank Vogel, do you guys really think that'll make a difference? No. No, no it's not, not his fault. No. No, he's a scapegoat, clearly. Yeah, clearly he's a scapegoat. He didn't assemble a team. And I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. See me there on Twitter, ZHR Review. As always, thank you very much for tuning in to the show that's available on YouTube at Houston Round Bar Review's channel, Folks Talk Sports on Twitter, and on Facebook as well. We're looking to uh, looking for uh, people to advertise on the show so we can get on Roku. We'll do that as well. But thank you as always. And one note real quick, the Houston Round Bar Review has been credentialed to cover the men's Final Four. Got that word yesterday. Waiting on word from women's final four. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'll pod to both. See if I get both. But yeah. So again, advertisers. Hydrated this time. After I'm not going to both. Oh, but, uh, say, where's the men this year? Men's in New Orleans. Men's in New Orleans. So but I'm going. My plan is to go to Paisley Park in Minneapolis. That's the plan because it's Paisley Park. But uh, I just wanted to. I want advertisers and sponsors to know. Houston Round Barview gets approved to cover both Final Fours. How many folks you know can do that? And so reach out to us. Well, correct? And, and the Super Bowl as well, yes, sir. So got all of that covered. So truly, sponsors, hop on this train, this program, keep on about views, going places. We're going to do big things 2022. Got three different live streams that you can be a part of, advertise on. Post Talk to Sports, Let's Talk Houston Rockets, and the Ad Max Corner covers football. So hit us up, hit me up on the email as well, kgardner at thehr.com, or just one of us on Twitter, and we'll give you more information. As always, thank you very much, panel, for taking time out to talk sports, as we do. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you sometime next week. Rockets Warriors, 9 o'clock tonight. Tune in for that, too. Take care. Have a good weekend, y'all.